The Texas Tech game against Kansas State seemed to flip the script for the Wildcats in 2021 as Chris Cleveland's squad came in at 3-3 three and three and after a come-from-behind victory against the Red Raiders, ended up finish, finishing the season off 8-5 and five with a victory against LSU in their bowl game. I'll break down how the Wildcats match up against the Red Raiders this season and what we can expect from this game on today's episode of Locked On Texas Tech. Our Locked On Texas Tech. Your daily podcast on the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome everybody to Locked On Texas Tech. It is a nice Friday afternoon here. I am Emery Lida your host. Thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every single week. We are free and available on all platforms. I do apologize for the audio issues that came up during our defensive line preview. I am going to work to make sure that doesn't happen again. I can't promise any guarantees for this episode. However, going forward, if this happens again, I will be sure to change how I do the audio. But in the meantime, for whatever Locked On Texas Tech episodes you want to find, you can find them on YouTube. You can find them wherever you get your podcasts. Today, we're going back into the opponent previews, taking a look at Kansas State. Again, if you want to check out some of our previous ones, I've got a preview against Murray State, Houston, NC State, and Texas all on the channel. Those will be on a playlist on YouTube and, again, wherever you get your podcast. But before we get into today's preview of Kansas State, I'd like to say that today's episode is brought to you by our friends at BetOnline. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. Starting out with Kansas State, I feel like the biggest thing to talk about is just taking a look back at that 2021 game against Texas Tech because coming into that game, Kansas State was 3-3. Three and three. They started the season off 3-0, then had three straight losses to start out conference play against Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and Iowa State. So they came into Lubbock as a 3-3 three and three team. Chris Kleiman was honestly a little bit on the hot seat reportedly, and there was a lot of pessimism around the fan base as to what this program was going to do, but... That game against Tech, you saw Kansas State follow down early in that game. You had quite a bit of issues early on in the game for the Wildcats as the Red Raiders were able to get on the board early with the Eric Azucama touchdown and really kind of had control of the game all the way until a late penalty by Devin Drew on third and 25 for hands on the face really just threw the Wildcats into a state of disruption through the Red Raiders into the state of disruption and allowed the Wildcats a chance to get back into the game. And I mean, in that game, it was a really good performance by Skylar Thompson, as well as a little bit of a good performance on the receiving end from Deuce Vaughn. But that was the game that basically got Matt Wells fired. You had offensive struggles for Tech. Henry Columbia lost, ended up inadvertently losing his job after that game. You had a lot of calling for Donovan Smith to start. You ended up firing Matt Wells just two days after the game. And there were a lot there's a lot of talk about how that loss and specifically the Devin Drew penalty really changed the complexion of Kansas of Texas Tech, but also of Kansas State when you look at the fact that they rounded off the season winning that basically spurred on a five game winning streak that lasted all the way until the Baylor game for Kansas State, or excuse me, a four-game winning streak, all the way until the Baylor game, which they lost, and then a Texas game on the road that they lost. But that game kind of transformed both teams. You had a, a win for Kansas State that led to three more wins after that. And for Tech, 
really led to the Joey McGuire era. Like, I can't say in confidence that Matt Wells wouldn't be the coach right now. I think that there's an argument to be had that the losses against TCU and Texas kind of had already started the movement. But at the same time, I mean, that Kansas State game acted as a straw that broke the camel's back. So that was a game against Kansas State in 2021. But really, that sort of was a little bit of a footnote in Kansas State's season as a whole. I said that it was a turning point, and I do think that was the case. But this was a solid Wildcat team. I mean, you look at their losses against Oklahoma State. They lost by 11. We're in that game late despite having to roll out a backup quarterback. Oklahoma and Iowa State games, they were in it late as well. And then late in the season, their losses to Baylor and Texas were at least competitive. And then they rounded off the season by absolutely dominating LSU. So this is a team that has a lot of upside. And they come into the season really returning a lot of pieces from last year. You lose Skylar Thompson, who had been their quarterback since about 2017. But you also bring back a lot of the returning skill position players. You bring in Adrian Martinez from Nebraska. You have a lot of returning production on defense, and the defense is where this team really sort of found their footing last season. It was a top three team in the Big 12 in both yards allowed and points per game. Look at their past defense. It was very efficient, and looking at how they were able to contain teams like Texas Tech and Oklahoma, that Oklahoma game really sort of acted as the catalyst to end up having Spencer Rattler lose that job back in 2021 alongside, obviously, the Texas game, which – UT fans are well aware of as well as Oklahoma fans, but certainly Kansas State's pass defense gave teams fits over the course of last season and their run defense had a little bit of issues at times, but the linebacking corps was really good last season. And just basically the biggest thing is to look for is the depth of this defense, because you have, you have a really good returning foundation of guys on the defensive line, as well as at the, linebacking course but at the end of the day this team I mean it is a team that hasn't really recruited all that greater Chris Cleman so there is some question marks there but just as a whole this defense last year again top three on both sides of the ball offensive or top three in the big 12 on both yards and yard and uh, points per game offensively you had not a great amount of success from a yardage standpoint but a lot of that was down to kind of some struggles at the quarterback position with Skylar Thompson missing three games due to injury you also had kind of a little bit of a weaker receiving course than what most teams had. The offensive line had some questions at times, but offensively you did just enough. And you also had a guy in Deuce Vaughn who was elite last season. We saw his freshman year where he had a lot of good, good success in that season, but his season in 2021 was phenomenal. Over 1,400 yards rushing. 460 yards passing, led the team in receptions last season. I'm going to talk about him and some of the key players on both offense and defense coming up next. But first, I have a message from our good friends at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, and whatever college sports you would like to watch. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered wherever. So head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening in today's world. BetOnline, where the game starts. Welcome back here to Locked On Texas Tech, talking about the Kansas State Wildcats, the fifth game on Texas Tech's schedule for 2022. This one will be played in Manhattan, last game 
for the Red Raiders against the Wildcats happened in Lubbock, as I recalled in the first segment. That was a 25-24 defeat for your Red Raiders. A really tough defeat, but this offense for Kansas State really is going to be have a lot of talent returning on it, and it all starts with Deuce Fawn. I mean, the 5'7", one, can't weigh more than about 170 pounds. The guy is an elite running back. He's the most versatile player in the Big 12. I don't think that is even a question mark about it. I mean, 5'6", 173 is Deuce Fawn. It's his official listing. I think the 5'6", he might be 5'7", but that would be really pushing it. But Deuce Fawn last season, over 1,400 yards rushing. He had 49 receptions for 468 yards last season in the passing game. So really versatile there. Acted as Skylar Thompson's main target. And if you look back to the game against Texas Tech, his running game wasn't really great. Only 52 yards. Tech did a really good job of stifling him in addition to Skylar Thompson in the running game. But it was in the receiving game where Vaughn made his work. He had one touchdown catch, seven receptions, led the team in receiving yards with 68. And he was the guy that had the game-winning touchdown catch with six minutes left in the game. So Deuce Vaughn really last season didn't really look like one, a great game for him, but he came up clutch at the end. He had a couple of really nice receptions. Obviously, like I mentioned, the game-winning reception. And I mean, this is a guy that if you look at what he's done in his college career already, it's hard to argue against him being the most decorated player on this Kansas State roster. And really, there's an argument for him being, if not the best, he's one of the two or three best running backs in the entire country. Obviously, Bijan Robinson would have something to say about that. But in 2020, he combined for over 1,000 yards in his freshman year. He's had over 70 catches in his career, 25 rushing touchdowns, six receiving touchdowns, averaging over five yards a carry. Deuce Vaughn is probably, in my opinion, the favorite for conference player of the year at a minimum a top three favorite I think if you look at what he's been able to do just with his versatility it is incredible and even if he doesn't win the award I mean Bijan Robinson might be a more talented pure runner but I don't think he can quite match up to what Deuce Fawn has done in the receiving game but Deuce Fawn's not the only story from this Kansas State team last season he's a guy that has obviously a lot of talent a lot of just raw ability and versatility but when you look at the rest of the roster you lose Skylar Thompson at quarterback that is kind of the main story obviously he had missed three games last year due to injury put up 12 touchdowns four interceptions over 2,000 yards almost 70 percent completion percentage and then the run game last season was not what it had been in years prior but he was still able to have four rushing touchdowns so in the red zone he was a threat again the injuries last year kind of limited him but he was still someone you had to keep an eye out for because of his legs. But the receiving corps last season, I think, was probably the weakest point for Kansas State. I mean, you only had one receiver cross, cross 500 yards, and Deuce Vaughn led your team in receptions. But you do bring back both Phillip Brooks and Malik Knowles. I mean, those are two guys that have quite a bit of talent for them when it comes to receiving ability. Knowles is a good returner as well and also a deep threat. Brooks is more the possession receiver, averaging about 12 and a half yards per catch. Down the line as well, you do have a couple more guys as well. You lose Landry Weber, who was kind of a fixture in the slot, so that'll be tough. But down the line, I mean, you've got really some other guys. Cade Warner comes back for Kansas State this season as well, bringing a couple of guys from the transfer portal. So offensively, Feel feel like there's all the reason in the world to believe that this team is going to improve this upcoming season. And a big reason for that is I actually really like Adrian Martinez. And I'm not going to spend too much time 
on Martinez, but when you look at what he was able to do at Nebraska, he was an elite level deep passer last season. I mean, he ended up completing on pa- passes of more than 20 yards. He went 29 to 30 of 61. So almost a 50% completion percentage, 17.7 yards per attempt has six touchdowns on such throws, which is ridiculous to see that he had such efficiency. The yards per attempt really stands out and it could have been even better. He had four drops that went on into that as well. So Martinez was really good downfield. You bring back an elite deep, deep threat in Malik Knowles. That is a good reason to expect that maybe there could be a better connection there than what Skylar Thompson had last season. Again, Thompson's deep, deep passing ability was not really a strength, a strength. And the other thing that Martinez really brings to the table is his running ability. And obviously Kansas state has seen that with Skylar Thompson in years past, but last season that really wasn't able to be the case because again, Thompson had the injury to his knee early on in the season, missed a couple of games, then missed one more later on. And so they were focused on preserving his health. And I really think that that may be, limited this offense just a little bit. And so for Kansas State next season or this upcoming season, Adrian Martinez's legs for a guy that has over 2000 rushing yards and 34 touchdowns in his college career running the football. I mean, that is someone that has a lot of talent. I mean, 35 touchdown runs. He's also got 8,500 passing yards in his four seasons at Nebraska. That is sensational. And so Martinez I really am high on him. I feel like at Nebraska, he was maybe a little bit of a scapegoat at times. Obviously, had to fight off one of the McCaffrey brothers for a year. He had he's had a little bit of injuries. He's dealt with Scott Frost and some of the inconsistencies offensively. And the offensive line has done him no favors there. I think all of that will be improved at Kansas State. With Colin Klein as his offensive coordinator, a guy that, in my opinion, might be one of the best dual-threat quarterbacks in recent memory in college football, not really because of his passing, just because his running game. So I think that that's something that this team really is going to utilize. Martinez is in the zone read game. You have Deuce Fon, who I think is a good zone runner as well. So adding in those two two pieces, I really think that, that this scheme and this sort of team is going to be a good opportunity for Adrian Martinez and vice versa. I think Adrian Martinez is the right quarterback to lead Kansas State this season. And then the one other thing offensively to touch on is the offensive line. They do lose three starters up front. But again, this is a team that over the years has had an identity with power running. And you do have Cooper BB again coming back at the tackle position. But that is going to be kind of the one star guy returning to this offense. So there's question marks at Kansas State. I don't think the the offensive line is going to be huge strength, at least right away. But in the past, they've shown the ability to sort of make make up for their issues. And I think that the that will be the case again this season. So offensively, I'm optimistic. The ninth out of 10 ranking last season in both yards and points was a little bit of a fluke. But I do think that there is going to be all the more reason to be optimistic that this Kansas State offense is going to be better, especially with Adrian Martinez at quarterback. And defensively, this is where the team had a lot of strength last season. You take a look at the defense and what they were able to put up over the course of the season. Um, it ended up third in the Big 12. You only allowed roughly about 20 points per game last season. And even against strong passing teams and teams that had quite a bit of talent at their receiving position, they held up pretty well. I felt like coming into the season, I was a little bit concerned about the pass defense when it came to just being able to hold up against the teams like Oklahoma. But overall, this is a team that, defensively had a lot of 
success. And I mean, you look at it and they weren't able to necessarily have the flashiest of games from a turnover standpoint, but certainly this is a team that has a lot of returning talent defensively. You were able to generate a decent amount of pass rush as well. And I think that outside of the depth issues, you're going to have a bit you're going to have a lot to work with when it comes to guys like Felix and Duque Ozama comes back. You also have um, Eli Huggins on the defensive line, uh, but really this defense is well-rounded all the way throughout. You have quite a bit of transfers. Sean Robinson, kind of the notable one, former TCU guy, came to Missouri as a quarterback, kind of transitioned at the latter part of his college career there. Now he's playing safety. I have no idea how that's going to play out for him, but certainly he will factor into the mix as well. You have corners in Iko Boyodoy, who last season had a really strong season on this defense at the corner position. And, I mean, you look at how this team did last season as well, and it really was just the corners. On the run defense, they weren't great, but in coverage, Boyodoy was really good when it came to just being a good level pass in pass coverage. And then as well as that, you had Julius Brents, who was maybe not quite as good in coverage, but was more of a run run stopping corner as well. And both of them had decent instincts, solid pass breaking up ability. The other thing is just the, the pressure they were able to generate. I mean, Felix and Duke Uzama ended up having 13 sacks in 2021. That is ridiculous. And for reference, we've talked about Tyree, Tyree Wilson having seven sacks and that being impressive. Uzama and Duke Uzama ended up having 13 and he really could have more. His hurry rate, he had 30 between the sacks and the thirties and the hurries and the hits. He ended up having 43 pressures, which is ridiculous for an edge that only played 523 snaps. So he was getting to the quarterback on almost one tenth of the snaps and almost one seventh of the passing attempts. So ridiculous ability from Enduke Zama. I think he's the best player on this defense. But again, this defense as a whole. Characterized by a solid and sound defense, not a ton of turnovers forced last season. Just over the course of the numbers, obviously, the pass defense ended up being better than I think a lot of people expected, but they only were able to force 11 interceptions, which is a little bit lower than what you would anticipate with a defense like Kansas State that it was able to force so much pressure. And then one other group to talk about here is the linebacking corps, and that is one that you bring back what well, you bring back Daniel Green from last season, who was arguably your best guy at the middle linebacker position. And then you also bring in a guy like Will, Will Honus on the outside. He was a guy from Nebraska that missed all of last season with an injury. So he's going to be worth watching. The safeties are the biggest concern, I think, in terms of having Sean Robinson having to transfer in from Missouri. And then you also have Kobe Savage, who's a name that Texas Tech went after at one point. He was a JUCO transfer. Now he's at Kansas State, and I think he's going to be a guy that should factor into the rotation as well. So all in all, this defense, I mean, it's led by the defensive line, in my opinion, with Felix and Duque Zama coming back, as well as Eli Huggins. Both of those guys had quite a bit of pressure on the quarterback, and specifically in Duque Zama. But all around, this is a really good Kansas State defense, and it's a good Kansas State team as a whole. But we got to predict the game coming up next. I'm going to do that after a word from some of our sponsors. Welcome back to Locked On Texas Tech, talking about the Kansas State preview, the 2022 game, which will be played in Manhattan, the fifth game of the season for the Red Raiders. This is another matchup. Again, this is one where Texas Tech has struggled in recent years. You have to go 
all the way back to 2015 for the last time Tech was able to beat the Wildcats of Kansas State. This year on October 1st in Bill Snyder Family Memorial Stadium, you would expect Kansas State to come into this game being favored. Again, this is a Wildcats team that has been good. Last season, they were able to be in close to being in contention in the Big 12. They didn't end up too high in the conference. If you look at their overall record, finished right in the middle in fifth place. But again, this is a team with a couple of different breaks. Could have ended up in conference contention. You ended up 8-5 eight, eight and five on the season, ended off the season strong. So a lot of reason to be optimistic about this Kansas State team. But also for Texas Tech, this is probably the most winnable game of the slate outside after NC State and Texas. In other words, basically, those two games that are before them are going to be comparatively hard, in my opinion, as Texas has a bit more raw talent than what Kansas State has on the roster. And I think they are going to be a tougher matchup schematically for Texas Tech. The run defenses are a big concern for the Red Raiders, and I definitely think that this year's Texas team with Bijan Robinson might be a little bit better against the run. And then on the other side of things, Kansas State more of a power run team when they do Deuce Vaughn. Really, it's this versatility that's going to bother people, and I I think that it's not going to be an easy matchup. But I feel like Tech's game plan last year, forcing Skyler Thompson to beat them with his arm, was a pretty solid strategy, and it almost worked out. So there's reason to believe that this team has the potential to beat Kansas State. We've seen the last three Really, the last four years, four years ago, you had Jad Duffy, a quarterback, playing on a torn meniscus. But the last three years, Tech has been close in this in this matchup. They've had leads for substantial amounts of the game. I look back to the 2020 game. That was the year that Alan Bowman went down with an injury, and Henry Columbia came in and almost led Tech to a win. Last season, I've already talked enough on this podcast about the collapse that happened in that game, but you had control of that game for a good amount of time. So this hasn't been a matchup that Kansas State has dominated on the field, per se, this is a game that Kansas State has dominated in the record books for just looking at the wins and losses. And for me, this Kansas State team, I'm very high in them coming into the season. You have Adrian Martinez at quarterback. You have an offense that should be improved and a defense that returns a lot of talent and a couple of superstars in Felix, in Felix or Felix, excuse me, and Duque is on and has a lot of raw talent on that defense, even at the depth maybe isn't quite there and you're projecting a little bit of development with the safeties. But this is a team that really should be able to do pretty well. And I think that Kansas State will be favored in this game, but I think this is a matchup Texas Tech can't take advantage of. Again, the safeties are going to be kind of the question mark for the defense. And with Texas Tech's stacked amount of receivers and the fact that Kansas State's corners in Boyd Doe and Brent aren't really necessarily that how aren't necessarily that established. You have Boydo is only six foot tall, and then Brent's is six four, so he has a stature there. But neither of those guys were necessarily elite in man coverage last season. So this is going to be a matchup where I think you can utilize your strength on the outside. So there's reason to be optimistic, and I'm actually going to take Texas Tech to win this game. And I might end up getting that burned against me going forward. But out of all the matchups we've seen so far between outside of Murray State, between Houston, NC State, Texas and now Kansas State. I do think Kansas State is probably the best pure matchup for Texas Tech just because of, again, the pass rush is going to be a concern against offensive line. But if things go well, you have the offensive line that has a lot of pure talent on it. You have a quick passing game that should be good. You have a lot of height and talent at the receiver position that can stretch out the safeties downfield. And then on the defensive side of things, this is a Kansas State team that wasn't necessarily potent offensively last year. And you're not going to have offensive line that's necessarily 
set in stone unless you see a lot of development in the first four games of the season. And the receiving corps isn't necessarily great outside of Malik Knowles, who is a downfield threat. So it's going to be interesting. I think Adrian Martinez being in this matchup is going to be a critical factor for Kansas State's offense and how he plays. If he's able to limit the mistakes, it'll be hard to beat him. But in Nebraska, he was a little bit turnover prone in his last season, 14 turnover worthy plays. Also ended up having 10 interceptions, just looking at the pure box score stats. So I think Martinez is going to be the critical part of the game for Kansas State. For Texas Tech, it's just going to be about utilizing your strength on the outside and being able to stretch Kansas State's defense down the field, avoid sacks off of the menacing defensive line that had 32 sacks last season, and be able to keep the offense moving. I think the Tech's able to do just enough of that and comes out with a 31 the 27 win is going to be close either way. This is a matchup that's been close really for the better part of the last decade. So there's reason to believe that this one will be another close matchup. Hopefully Texas Tech can right the ship against Kansas State. It's not been a friendly match of the Red Raiders, even if they've been able to have good success individually within games. They haven't been able to close them out. So we'll have to see how it goes. There's a lot of reason to be optimistic about this year's Red Raiders team, the Red Raider team, though, and even if if you're a Kansas State fan that happens to come across this, I am a big fan of what Adrian Martinez can do at Kansas State. I also think Chris Kleeman is riding the ship there, and I'm excited to see how the season progresses. But I do think – I'm not overly confident about it, but I'm going to pick the Red Raiders to win with the confidence that you can get just enough done offensively. But regardless, we'll have more about this game in the future when we get up to the end of September, early part of October – but in the meantime, you can check out all of our other previews, whether it be the Murray State game that starts off the season, the Houston game in Lubbock, and the NC State and Texas games with a couple of guests on those. You can check those out on our YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter, EddieRacer41. You can follow the official Locked On Texas Tech Twitter account at Locked On TTU. Again, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to us on YouTube. I appreciate all the support. We're getting closer and closer to 500 subscribers. Again, I apologize for the audio in the most recent video about the defensive line, but rest assured, I'll have more preview and insight on them going forward as well as pretty much everything football related because I'm going back to five days a week starting on Monday, and I'm excited to do that, as is everyone on the Locked On College channel. Really looking forward to covering Texas Tech's fall camp and getting into the start of the season. It's going to be an exciting one with Joey McGuire. I'm really excited to see how this new era goes. So again, for your first listen every day, I do appreciate listening to Locked On Texas Tech. Really excited to get back into the daily stuff. But if you want a second listen, Locked On Big 12 has you covered. Josh Neighbors, my good friend, is hosting that over there. He's going back to five days a week as well, starting next week. I'm really excited to see what he comes up with. But certainly, you can see all his insights on the latest developments on Big 12 football and real in addition to the Lockdown Roundtable, featuring all of the analysts from around the Lockdown Network, including yours truly, as well as guys like Jonathan Davis and John Williams from Lockdown, Lockdown Longhorns and Lockdown Sooners, respectively. So go check out Lockdown Big 12. Make it your second listen every single day. I will see you for five days next week, starting on Monday. Thank you.